RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. It's time for another edition of the MMA Report podcast. It is Sunday, August the 14th, 2022, and I have got a pair of fighter interviews on this edition of of the podcast, as you're going to hear the chats I had with Dustin Jacoby, of course, coming off that win there at the UFC on ABC car. Also, you're going to hear from one of the fighters that appeared on the most recent season of the Alton Fighter, and he has a fight booked here for October. That is Chandler Cole. Had a great conversation with both of those gentlemen. Uh, talked to Dustin about his last win, his next fight, which will be in October against Khalil Roundtree. Also, we talked a little bit about the relationship between the media and athletes, which was really based upon something I recently heard on the J.J. Reddick podcast that Draymond Green said about the relationship between uh, the media and the athletes. And then, of course, Chandler will talk about his experience on the Ultimate Fighter, his upcoming matchup, which he talked about. The fact of he is his goal is to be weighing 245 pounds that matchup. Also, in the interview, you hear him say the door to him going to light heavyweight is not closed. It is something that uh, could potentially see with him down the road. So, those interviews come up here on this episode of the podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode. Of course, a great way to show your support for a podcast rating review really does help me out a ton of course i bring you two podcasts a week here the sunday episode which is the interview edition of the podcast and of course the midweek edition of the show where it's myself and daniel talking about what happened uh, in mma the previous weekend and of course what's coming up this upcoming weekend of course coming up this weekend we've got ufc 278 so that'll be a big part of what we talk about on wednesday's episode of the podcast but before we get into the interview edition of the show i want to talk about the Bellator rankings. Of course, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that since the Bellator rankings came into existence here at the beginning of the year, I am a voter in these rankings. And of course, we're coming off uh, Bellator 284, where we had some upsets, which uh, really kind of, you know, I, when I was doing my rankings, it kind of affected how I did things. And I wanted to kind of talk about the Bellator rankings. And, you know, I think first off, we got to talk about uh, the divisions that had the most impact this past weekend. And, and of course, starts right out the top with Gochi Yamuchi going out there and defeating Neiman Gracie, stopping him with those strikes. And I even put it on Twitter after if I was over, it's like, hey, you know, did not see this one coming. It makes, you know, the, the belts where, where it kind of put Gochi Yamuchi. And, you know, some people are saying he's got to be top five. And so, as of right now, so uh, as I'm uh, I'm doing this here on Sunday, uh, early afternoon, the Bellator, the voting period closes tomorrow. So currently right now, I have Gochi Yamauchi at number six. So you've got Yaroslav Amosov and Logan Story right there at the top. Number two for me is I have Michael Page, three Jason Jackson. For Andre Koreshkov, which I think sometimes be, kind of becomes a little bit of a forgotten guy in this division. Five, Douglas Lima. Even though things have not gone well for Douglas Lima, to me, he's still one of the elite of this division. We'll see maybe if he can bounce back. Then I went six, Gochi Yamuchi. Seven, Neiman Gracie. Eight, Sabah Hamasi. Nine, Lorenz Larkin. And ten, Kyle Crutchmere now should be noted that in my previous rankings, I did have Derek Anderson in there. Derek Anderson was removed from the ranking system. I'm, I have not talked to Bellator about this, but I, I'm, I would probably say I think it's a safe bet. It's more of a, uh, you know, inactivity of reason why he's no longer in the rankings there. Um, I, I know Roman Feraldo was number 10 in the last rankings and the official rankings. And, uh, I mean, look, I think Roman is, is tremendous. I mean, to me, he's right there, but... 
just gave uh, Kyle a little bit of the nudge above him, uh, you know, in terms of uh, my top 10 there. Now, the other one that really had a big impact for me in this ranking cycle was at Bantamweight. Of course, we know we got Sergio Pass champion, Rafael Stasi interim champion. Number two, I've got Patchy Mix. Number three, Koji Horiguchi. Number four, Juan Archuleta. Number five, Magomed, Magomedov. And then this is where the change happens for me. Heading into this ranking uh, cycle, at number six, I had Josh Hill. Of course, Josh Hill loses to Marcos Bueno. I put Marcos at number seven. He's got to go in the top ten when you go out there and get a win against Josh Hill. Want to put him in front of Josh Hill. So at number six, I get Danny Sabatello. Seven, Marcos. Eight, I've got Josh. Nine, Leandro Higo. 10, Enrique Barzola. Uh, the fighter that did uh, get removed from my top 10 was James Galher. Uh, Galher was supposed to be uh, headlining the next Bellator show, but I believe I saw, I want to say Severe MMA had a, a report that he was going to be, he's out of that matchup there against Brett Johns. But I mean, you know, we, one thing is, as I, you know, as I look at, our, our voting and you look at all the the fighters that are eligible at 135 pounds in Bellator you just realize how talented the Bellator 135 pound division is you know when you look at the fighters who are eligible bantam weights to be uh, in the rankings and just you look at Jaylon Bates even though you know Jaylon is still a highly talented prospect but I, I think the past couple of fights have not really been those those showcase fights that they thought were were going to be there. You mentioned about James Gallagher. You know, also you got you know Brett Johns, Jornel Lugo, um, are, are some guys that that stick out to you in terms of there. Uh, you know Brian Moore. You know he's five and five in belts or very very talented. Uh, you know fighter there in terms of. But you you just look up and down this 135 pound division, you realize how talented it is. Uh, looking at uh, the other weight classes in Bellator, a thing I will note it about women's featherweight as uh, we did lose Janae Harding is no longer eligible to be voted on. So now you have a total of eight 145 pound fighters in Bellator, which I think really, you know, really leads to that question is what does a women's 145 pound division in Bellator look like six months from now? I think a lot of that's going to going to play out of what does it look like? What happens with Chris Cyborg? Chris has got that boxing matchup next month. And to me, Chris Cyborg is in an incredible position right now because she has leverage. I wouldn't say she has, she doesn't have leverage on Bellator to me at this point, but she's got the leverage on the PFL because the PFL needs Chris Cyborg. I've said this. I believe the PFL needs Chris Cyborg more than Chris Cyborg needs the PFL. I think it's just going to come down to of how much does the PFL overpay to make Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison happen. And, uh, you know, we talked about on Wednesday's uh, podcast about her, her comments there to Don Davis, which still, uh, I think the biggest question mark with that one was that a, a was that offer made privately before uh, he tweeted that, or did he just tweet that? If he just tweeted that, that to me is very telling about the PFL. Uh, looking at the other women's division, 125 pounds, of course, uh, we did have a, a pair of matchups here uh, with the 125-pound division. Of course, you had Lima Lee McFarlane getting the win against Bruna Ellen, and also uh, Deanna Bennett getting the win against Justine Kish. Uh, I did not change my rankings at all when it comes to women's 125 pounds. Uh, you know, of course, you got Liz Carmen, the champion. Then I have at number one, Juliana Velasquez, two, Connor Wantaby, three, Denise Kilholtz, four, Deanna Bennett, five, Justine Kish, six, Alima Lee McFarlane, seven, Vita Ortega, eight, Vanessa Porto, uh, nine, uh, Alara Joanna, and uh, Anabi at number 10 for me. You know, look, when I was looking at this, it really became the question of, what do I do there with Justine Kish and Aleem McFarlane? But because Justine Kish just beat Aleem McFarlane, I didn't. I, I kept it just the same there. And uh, I will say this: I thought there were some interesting quotes from Aleem McFarlane uh, following the event that really made me think about the, the things that she said to me leading up to this one. You know, uh, when I had her on the podcast two weeks ago, you know, she talked about the fact of that the, she has this kind of perfect way she wants to end her career. And, you know, she has, you know, she's coming up on, on her belt or deal. I think she has like three or four fights left on her deal at this point. And this was our quote after the fight. 
She goes, quote, I was like, I feel like this is what drugs feel like. It's weird. Fighting really is like a drug. Once you step in there, once you start fighting, it's like, oh, yeah, I love this expletive. I still do love this sport, despite it being real expletive sometime. It's been a very long road. I feel like a lot of my feelings about fighting changed when I lost the belt. It's been a roller coaster for the last two and a half years. The fight game is such an emotional roller coaster, but that win definitely helped me realize that's where my heart still is there. Of course, I want to be, I want to freaking retire as a champ. That's the ultimate goal is to go for it one more time. My ultimate dream retirement fight would be in Hawaii, fight for Bell against my friend Lois Carmouche. It's the ultimate goal. This is it. This is the perfect storyline, and I know that's what, I know that when the day comes, when we fight each other, it's going to go down. It's going to be fun. And I can say that with the ultimate respect for her, I can take a hit. Striking's fun. I learned that as long as I'm patient, the ground will come. I'm really proud of what I have come. Um, and of course she did, you know, that was a uh, Lee McFarland. She did miss way. She, she talked about that as well. And, you know, it's really interesting, you know, and, and, it makes that, that quote made me think about the conversation that I had with her and the fact of, you know, she clearly she has an end date in mind, but she also mentioned, you know, money talks and we'll see maybe if Bellator goes out there and talks there uh, looking at the rest of the ranking systems. Uh, no changes for me at featherweight. Um, I have uh, Patricia, obviously champion, and I got uh, McKee, Borax, Burnell, Kennedy, Pico, Carvalho, Weichel, Gonzalez, Corrales, and then I've got Kai Kamaka the third uh, there at uh, at number ten at lightweight. No changes uh, in this one for me. Of course, uh, it was revealed that Usman Nurmagomedov is going to get the next title matchup. Uh, you know, so challenge Patricky Pitbull. It is just crazy to me as as talented as Usman Nurmagomedov is. The reality is he has zero top 10 wins in Bellator. When you look at what he's done in Bellator. He's 4-0 Bellator, but none of those wins are against somebody in the top 10. I would have gone Patricky uh, against Musayev. Uh, Musayev is number one. In my rankings, number two, I have as Shelby, three, Dramagomedov, four, Outlaw, five, Premise, six, Henderson, seven, Maidov, eight, Jury, nine, Piccolotti, and Godzi at number 10. Uh, the most interesting with Adam Piccolotti, they just announced uh, he's, he's going to be headlining a show overseas, and it will be at 155 pounds. As you know, he, he had the weight issues last time. There was that video that, that surfaced on, on social media. So uh, he, right now, he's going to be fighting at. 155 pounds uh then at uh, middleweight that was another uh, division that had a little bit of uh, had a shake up this week as aaron jeffrey steps up on short notice and gets that uh, first round victory against austin vandervoort so i put aaron jeffrey at number four in my rankings Number one is Musasi. Two, of course, I won the champion. One, Musasi. Two, Salter. Three, Anatoly. Four, Jeffrey. Five, uh, Vanderfort. Six, Edwards. Seven, Rasta. Uh, eight, uh, Gregory Babine. Nine, Anthony Adams. Ten, Romario Cotton. Uh, light heavyweight, no changes. Um, there was somebody who fell out of the rankings. I'm not sure exactly who it was, uh, but I ended up putting uh, Grant Neal in at number 10 on my light heavyweight ranking. So I've got, obviously, Nimkov one. Then this goes Anderson, Bader, Davis, Romero, Albrechtson, Angelikius, uh, Yagsimov, Palazzi, Manhoff, and Neal. And then a heavyweight because of, of what we saw there. Uh, no changes there. Uh, Mondowski, Congo, Vassell, uh, Fedor, Minikoff, Johnson, Kartanov, Fortune, Mallory, and Marcelo Gorm. So, you know, I, I do one of the things of I, I do want to do w- with this show is I want to be transparent. And that's the one thing that Bellator has always said when it comes to that they want us to be transparent. I would say I don't I don't know how many people are in the Bellator ranking system. I think the last time I kind of asked, I want to say, God, maybe I'm wrong on this one. I almost want to say maybe it was like, I don't know, 20 people were maybe in the, in the voting pool. Um, I, I do know of, of a couple people that are in the ranking system. Um, I know uh, Amy Kaplan is in there. Um, John Morgan, um, is, at least uh, I, don't, I don't know if these people are still in there, but I know some of the names that I know um, that are in there that are, are recognizable in me, John Morgan, Jeff Kane, uh, Nolan King, Mark LaMonaco. 
Brian Campbell are, are some of those names. Joe uh, McDonough of Caseside Press who does a really good job of uh, reporting on this sport. And uh, I, I don't know how many of them are maybe have a platform like I do to, you know, kind of be transparent about it, but I do want to be transparent about it. I'll let you know. I mean, uh, and look, and I know that when you're a voter that most likely, uh, you know, people are going to try to pick apart your, your, your ballot. And that's fine. That's fine with me. I mean, it's no big deal for me, but, uh, but I just want to kind of, you know, start this show off by talking about uh, kind of how I voted here this week. Uh, I will tell you as of right now, have not had a chance to watch the UFC show or the PFL show from yesterday. Uh, going to be doing those tonight as of course I had uh, my first Buckingham radio network broadcast last night. So I could not watch it, but obviously do know the results and, uh, did see a little before recording this show. And Rory McDonald has announced his retirement from competition. So, uh, well, uh, well, I'm sure myself and Dan will talk more about that coming up here on Wednesday's edition of the podcast. Well, let's get into the interviews. Up first, you're going to hear my conversation with Dustin Jacoby, of course, coming off that win there at the UFC on ABC3 card. We talk also, we talked about uh, his upcoming matchup against Khalil Roundtree and uh, talked about the relationship between the media and athletes. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off another victory, and he's already got a fight booked just here in about two months from now. Dustin, man, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, wasting no time getting back in there. But, uh, you know, there was a there was a moment in, in your fight there back uh, in, uh, in Jersey that uh, I was watching it, and you just smiled. There's one point where, you know, you two were kind of going back and forth. You smiled. Was that kind of like, was part of that like, oh, man, we about to have a scrap. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, Jason, thanks for having me on the show. It's always good talking with you. Um, yeah, man, we, it, he was a fun dance partner. I said that in my post-fight speech. Um, you know, everybody, all my teammates, and, and there was a few people outside that kept telling me about this elbow he'd hit people with, and it'd be like a flying tomahawk, and it'd always catch him. And I told him, like, man, you know, knock on wood, I was like, that's not going to work on me. I promise that's not going to work on me. And there was a moment in the fight where he kind of flashed it. And I was like, nah, that's not going to work on me. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he was smiling as well. And there was a language barrier, but uh, we were having fun, man. We were, we were flowing. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just let the game come to me. And, and the, the knockout was awesome. You know, in terms of like that, having fun in the cage, is that one of the, the funner days in the octagon that you've had? Yeah, absolutely, man. And even in my career, uh, I've I've just really learned to be comfortable in there. Uh, but that one was enjoyable. I I just you know there was uh, Daun Jung. I have a lot of respect for him, man. I think he's going to do well, and, and I think he's going to continue to rise in the division. And I really hope so. You know, anybody I fight and beat and or lose to, I want to see them do well. Mikhail Olajecik over the weekend, watching his fight, I'm like, hell yeah, man, that is awesome. I want to see them do that. But he just had Daun Jung had this swagger about him where he was, I could tell he was a little cocky and, and mind you, so am I, I'm sure he got the same vibe with me, but, but it's confidence, right? Yeah. It's, it's, he truly believes in himself and you have to have that. You have to think like that. And I truly believe in myself. So to me, I was just being loose and, and I was really enjoying where the fight was going. And, uh, I just knew it was a matter of time. And, you know, like I said, I, I was extremely happy to get that win. And, of course, you already got this matchup here against Khalil Roundtree, which I will tell you, so when I saw this fight get announced, I was a little puzzled, honestly. Because part of me was like, man, like, can Dustin not get a top 15 opponent? Like, that, that was like, but then someone else said to me, they're like, like, but think about it, Jay. You know what these two guys want to do? Like, stylistically, this is a fun fight. Like, so what was your kind of thought when the fight got approached to you? Oh, I loved it because I'll be honest with everybody listening right now is Khalil had a chance opportunity to fight me in March when I fought Mikhail. Um, and he, de he, he declined rightfully. So it is what it is, right? The fact of the matter is he said no. So we moved on. And so I, I and I've already known, I, so I have a little mental edge, uh, in, in that uh -huh. department right there. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to booking, man, not a lot of people get options. I've been given a lot of options on, on my route to the top. And, you know, they did, uh, we, we were asking for Vulcan Ozdemir. We, I, we really love that fight. It's a great matchup that, and, and it's a great opportunity, right? But for the same reason that Vulcan said no, 
just because of my ranking, you know, I'm 14. Now he's eight. He's like, you know, I, I don't need that. And, and, and he took uh, Krylov. Now he's fighting Krylov cause he's ranked higher. So hey, shout out to Vulcan, man. I mean, he, he chose the higher ranked fighter as you should. And, uh, you get options, man. So when it came, when they said Roundtree's name, I'm like, if that's an option, I, absolutely. I love the matchup and, and he is dangerous. I, I know that, but I have 12 weeks, just under 12 weeks now to, to make sure that I'm prepared for that. And I know I will be. You mentioned about your 12 weeks out. I mean, have, has quote unquote training camp started yet? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been back in the gym, uh, you know, the past few weeks. Um, and yeah, so I, we try not to just call it training camp. You know, I know like I get really dialed in about eight weeks. That's when, uh, you know, there's no cutting corners any which way you're looking at, you look at it. Uh, but at, at this, you know, 12 weeks out, we're, we're just having fun. I mean, I had an awesome, we've had an awesome week of training and, and I think guys are just learning to, uh, enjoy it a little bit more. And I certainly am, man. I, I, I know it's a job, but you know, I, I approach anything with a, a, you know, a smile on my face and an easy go, uh, you know, just approach to the game. So um, it's been fun being in the gym and training. We know how much uh, you love the golf and it, it kind of made me, me think of this question uh, before, like you can, uh, you know, have your, your golf foursome, three people in MMA, you know, whatever their involvement of the sport is, who's coming in the foursome with you. Just an MMA? Yeah, just an MMA. Well, I'm going to have to do Cormier, Daniel Cormier, because that's <laughs> the guy. I got I to gotta get that out of the way right away. Uh, we got to have our match. You know, I'm still waiting to hear from you, DC. Uh, and then uh, if I have to bring a partner, I bring my coach along, Mark Montoya. You know, he's a pretty good golfer. We play weekly, and we can play two-man best ball, coach and I against DC and whoever he'd like to bring. If he wants to bring Khabib, bring Khabib out there. If he wants to bring Justin Gaethje, you know, hey, those guys who play golf, yeah, that'd be fun, man. Why do I feel like Habib is not a golfer? Uh, he's not a golfer. There's no way. <laughs> I'll tell you what he is good at is kicking your ass, and, and he's done that very well and as, as uh, you know, very successful, man. He, he, I cannot see him golfing. So if we were talking non-MMA, who, who would you want in the foursome? Oh, I'd want Tiger Woods for sure. Okay. Uh, I want Tiger Woods, probably Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, get some of those guys in the match and – and uh, while you're at it, bring Dustin Johnson along. That's a golfer that I, I like, I look up to. So, yeah, that'd be a cool foursome right there. Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson. How's the handicap right now going for you? I'm an, I'm an eight handicap, okay. and I've been playing some really good golf. I've, I've shot uh, in the 70s here quite a bit lately and uh, feeling good about my game. So it, it's peaking at the right time. It's such a funny game, man. You can go out there and hit the, a shot that – to me, I'm like, that's no different than what I see on TV. And then you go out there and it's all about consistency, yeah. man. Can you do it consistently throughout the 18 holes and focus? You have to stay focused every shot. And it's a fun game, man. That's what keeps me in it. Yeah, a mental game, man. Like <laughs> that, you know, you get one bad shot, all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you're, you might be screwed oh, for the next I 10 shots. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I train daily with my team and, and I know they all have my back, but when you go in there, it's one-on-one -on -one and it's mentally, can you survive that war? 15 minutes. That's all it is. 15 minutes. And you have to be mentally focused for all 15 of them. And golf's the same way, man. You have to, uh, it's not, you're not playing anybody else. You're, you're, you're in there by yourself and, and you have to stay focused and, and uh, approach it just like that, man. And, and the game can get away from you very easy and such is life. You know, the, the week of your, your fight, um, the last fight you had there, you know, you had, you'd, you'd interacted with an article that was from an interview from you. And it, it made me think of, um, I like listening to JJ Reddick podcast and, and him and Draymond did a show together and they were talking about the relationship between basketball players and the media. And, and Draymond was very vocal about, he believes it should be a partnership. You know, we need you, you need us, vice versa. And it made me think about because, you know, obviously you let your opinions know about, you know, your words being twisted in a way to get clicks. How do you deal with that as an athlete? Because, like, I, I guess, like, until I heard Draymond say it, I had never thought of it that way. But I was like, damn, Draymond's 100% right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's one of those things where I try not to pay much attention to. It really does bother me when you do an, an article and you say something for the good, but just one part of what you said could be twisted and put in there to just make it complete 
be completely a different meaning. And it's, yeah, it's just a clickbait you get to get people to get clicks, you know, to get view, tuning in on the article. And um, yeah, man, it should be a partnership, but a lot of people like driving forces in between things and, and uh, creating a controversy or drama, man. I mean, that's what gets the, the views, right? So you just have to ignore it, man. I think I do a great job of ignoring the white noise. Just, you know, things don't get to me because I know at the end of the day, what needs to be done is something that I'm going to get a chance to prove and get a chance to, to do. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I love about the sport. And, and also just, uh, I, I get it. That's one thing I love about my job and what I get to do is I get to take that stuff out when I'm training and I get to leave it all on the mats and I don't have to, you know, dwell on it and think about it where a lot of people, they don't get to have that out, that outlet, you know, that aggression, whatever it may be. Uh, but that's, what's cool about training, man. That's why I enjoy doing what I do. Yeah. I remember, man, this was, it was months ago. I saw an article and I saw like the headline and I, I had, I had listened to the interview and I was like, hold on. The fire did not say that. So I'm like, you know, it's like you literally took like five words out of probably a minute long answer. Like I, it just, it, it takes me back to when I started out of college in sports radio and I remember I had a boss. He said, he goes, this is what makes radio the best. He goes, if we're interviewing somebody, you hear our question and you hear the answer. He goes, there ain't no quote. And it's, it's, so, it's, all, it's always something that stuck with me of like, and, and I guess that's like, I mean, and I, I just sit here and talk. I, I'm not a writer. I'll be the first one to tell people I'm not a writer. I'm like, I'd rather yeah. just say, hey, here's the question. Here's what he said. Mm-hmm. take whatever yeah. way you want it but it, it's just when when i saw you responded to that it, it took me that dream on thing and i was just like man like like i was like i was sitting there saying if i was in dustin's position i don't know if i would handle it as good as you did yeah man i know right and and uh, that's one thing that i do um i'm proud to say i do you know and i can get worked up man but i uh, for a lot of it i just don't let get to me i just move on and and uh, yeah, man, I know that I, I'm going to get an opportunity to unleash all of that on, on everybody that said different, you know, just say, don't tell, you know, I, I had another, a fighter, Jay Perron tell me, um, he's in the middle of a 48 day ban on Facebook because uh, he told one of his teammates, he was looking forward to punch him in the face that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, 48 wow. days? He's like, yeah, man. He goes, somebody was, somebody was working hard that day with Facebook. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, bro, 48 days? Holy crap. He goes, wow. yeah, apparently you can't tell somebody you want to punch him in the face, even though like he's going to punch me in the face like every day. Right? Even though I'm literally going to punch him in the face. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, but uh, but in terms of uh, obviously you're, you're having a little, uh, little lunch there with, with the wife. What's on the meal today? Yeah, so I had actually a lake house burger. I had a burger, some sweet potato fries, and uh, a salad, which is you know not too bad. And the wife had a little cob salad, and it's not far. A little place, man. I'd like to show you guys this view. I don't know if I could turn this around. Um. I don't know if that turns it around. Yeah, it does. So that's the view today. That's awesome. Uh, beautiful little spot here in Littleton, Colorado. And yeah, man, this is home. And the wife's been gone for a week traveling for work. So I was like, hey, I got done with practice. And we just like, let's go have lunch. So basically right now we're not we're not in the worrying about what our weight is. No. And you know what? That's another thing. I don't, I don't, I'm just very fortunate that way. I've got a great metabolism. I eat uh, well anyway, for the most part, you know, and, and, uh, and I train daily. So, um, very active and yeah, I don't really got to worry about that, man. I walk around like 215 pounds and, and when I'm really trying to, you know, put some weight on uh, a couple fights ago, I was closer to 222, but you know, it's summertime. Um, and I don't, I don't focus, you know, I, I sweat a little bit more right now, but I don't focus too much on that number. Just focus on how I'm feeling. And, and as long as I'm feeling good, man, do you I don't worry too much about that weight. Do you feel like there's kind of like that, that sweet spot for you in terms of your weight where you feel like, you know, cause I remember talking to a heavyweight and their mind, they said that, you know, when they, they made the, the leap to heavyweight, their thought was guy, big guy, big got to be big. And then they realized like, man, nah, there was actually a sweet spot. And for him, it was 238 pounds. Do you kind of have that sweet spot of where you know you need to be? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, 205 is like my sweet spot. I've had a buddy that's told me all the time, you know, when I first started fighting, I didn't know what weight 
weight cutting was and I fought at 205 and I felt like I was very quick. I mean, I'm long, I, I cover a lot of ground and, you know, height and frame wise at 205, I, I can fit in all day. It's, it's the mass, uh, mass wise. I'm, I'm definitely not the biggest, you know, those guys are cutting from 230, 240 sometimes, but at, at 205, I just feel much quicker. It's when you talk about that weight, it made me kind of think about, it, cause I saw, um, I saw an image. I want to say it was maybe on Instagram yesterday where Alex Brahan is walking around at 232 pounds. I'm sitting there going, holy crap, you cut to 185? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just like... Well, that's crazy, man. And then see... That's like at 185, I can easily cut to 185. I don't think I'm a better fighter at 185. Yeah. I think guys are quicker than me. I think uh, stylistically, I don't match up well with a lot of the 85ers like I do the 205ers. So, uh, you know, I guess you just got to know when you have options like that, 232 to, to 185, you're passing through a few weight classes. <laughs> if you got options, I mean, I consider which one's the best for you and, and how you feel, man. I always based on, on feel. And like you said, people are like, oh, man, you got to, you got to get to 225 or 230 if you're fighting at 205. No, man, that, that's just them saying that. I don't need to do that. I just need to believe in myself, feel what I feel, and, and to continue doing what I do. And we look forward to seeing your fight here at the end of October. Dustin, man, as always, uh, appreciate time. Uh, great preparations for this one. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow on social media. And of course, anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, man, great talk. Uh, you can find me at the Hanyak DJ, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and yeah, man, give, give a shout out to my team at Factory X, uh, my agency, Iridium Sports Agency. Those guys are the best. Um, and two main sponsors of mine that, that are startup companies that I think are going to be awesome. Uh, El Bandito Yankee Tequila. It's a new te tequila company. Uh, great stuff. And Fit Soda uh, uh, benefits with bubbles, a healthy, healthy alternative to soda. It's a great, uh, great mix up. And yeah, I love those companies and, and love that. Uh, team and I got a great great group of people around me man so we'll hopefully keep it going and that was my conversation with Dustin Jacoby I appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about his most recent victory his matchup against Khalil Roundtree and also talking about that relationship between fighters slash athletes and the media and it wasn't until I heard Draymond Green talk about that and how he he mentioned about the fact of you know how it's one of those things of you know it's got to be a partnership I never thought of it I mean and I'll tell you this just in terms of the MMA side of it there's times where I watch fighter interviews and I I can just like my mentality is different when it comes to fighter interviews. I think that some people like I'm not trying to I've always said this and, and like I've had these, these conversations with PR people. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to have dope conversations, whether we're talking about fighting or something else, you know, whether it's talk about everyday life. I'm just trying to have dope conversations. But there are times that I watch interviews with people I highly respect and I can just tell that the way their questions are being asked, that they're trying to basically create a viral clip or or, or get a quote that might get a little bit of clicks. But uh, that, that's just not me. I just want to have dope conversations. And uh, speaking of dope conversations, that's what I had with Chandler Cole. Uh, you're going to hear that conversation here next as I spoke to him about, uh, you know, what happened on the Alton Fire tells a funny story about uh, how uh, he realized how much he loves music by uh, when he didn't have music in his life during the filming of the Alton Fighter. And also uh, we talked about his upcoming matchup here in October. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's back inside competition here in October. Of course, you just saw him on this season's uh, the season of the Ultimate Fire, Chandler Cole Chandler. Always great to have you back on the show. Of course, uh, we were kind of you know joking a little bit there of uh, you know you, you had to uh, you know have a couple of weeks there without a phone. Was was that maybe one of the hardest parts of going on a reality show? Is is just basically turning yourself off from the world. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I missed my family and my daughter and stuff, but it even got deeper than that. Cause you start to realize like the little things like music, I listen to music every day. So like when we didn't have music in my life, I was like, I would find myself in the house singing to myself, like no matter where I was in my bed on the couch, I just start singing. And, uh, the producers got on to me a couple of times. They're like, listen, man, we know that you're going crazy, but you can't sing because it's copyright. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
it is, I mean, obviously there, there's a very physical aspect and we know kind of what the physically what happened to you in the season, but is it as much of a mentally challenging thing of going through that? And do you kind of feel like, you know what, while the, those, those couple of weeks there were not the, you know, the funnest part in terms of the mental side, but you feel like it kind of allowed yourself to grow. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think I found more of who I am and how tough I was through those couple of weeks. Cause you know, everybody got their phone taken. Yes. Everybody, you know, had to do the same things I did. Yes. But I feel like my situation, especially with my injury and stuff was a little different. Cause then, you know, for a couple of days, I thought they were going to send me home. Cause everybody thought I was joking about my elbow, except me. Like I knew I was hurt, but I knew how tough I was. And, uh, you know, it got to the point to where, uh, you know, in practice, like, uh, a couple of people were just kind of like giving me that look like, man, come on. Like, you know, like and I was like, guys, I'm not joking. Like I'm hurt. Like I'm really hurt. I'm just being tough. Yeah. And, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I was like, guys, I'm just being tough. Like, uh, but I, I know I'm hurt. So it just got to the point where I was like, All right, I gotta get this check. Like, because I don't want to be that guy that, you know, you're working with like a legend, like Amanda Nunez. You don't want to get to the point where, you know, I wanted that long, uh, friendship and long relationship with all those guys. I didn't want to be the guy that they thought was just slacking in practice because he's some fat guy from Virginia. Like I wanted, to, I wanted them to know, like I am here to work, but I'm, I really am hurt. So that's why I went and got the MRI. And then uh, when I came back and told them that uh, my UCL was completely torn, they were like, "What?" I was like, "Guys, I told you this. Okay, <laughs> I, I know, I know what happened. Like my my elbow popped out of place and I popped it back in. Like I know that happened." for a fact and I was trying to explain that and uh I guess just you know sometimes I'm too tough for my own good so uh so dealing with that and then of course missing my little girl uh everybody knows the 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 story about uh the breakup and everything it's like you know she's like my my piece I guess that's my that's my human like that's that's who I take care of so uh yeah, it was very challenging, uh, just everything all at once. But I made the best of it. I think I did my part as far as the entertainment and the uh, the fight. I, I think I put on an exciting fight. So it, that part was good, but everything else was challenging. And I think I grew as a human. I definitely grew as a human and just as a person. You mentioned being being a part of Team uh, uh, Nunez for this season. What did, what did you take away from her and, and how she views the fight game? Uh, she's intense, dude. She is super intense. Like she'd be showing stuff and, uh, she never grabbed a hold of like any of the heavyweights, of course, but like the girls and stuff, like we seen them like going all the time and dude, she like ragged all them <laughs> and it was just, uh, but her intensity, like she would show us these drills and it's like, you know, coaches will show a drill, do it once and say, okay, I need you to do this. But she would say, look, we're going to do this for a minute. And she'd get down and she'd, Shrimp the cage, stand back up, run around, get to the cage, shrimp, get back up. And I was like, oh my God, like she really is about this. Like she, and that shows you like what a world champion does, you know? And, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, so many times in the sport, coaches will tell you to do something, but have never done it. Like, so to see her in there with us, to see her doing the same things that she's asking us to do, it was, it was cool. And, uh, dude, she's just a, she's an animal. And I think we've seen that in her last fight too. Like, you know, uh, I don't, I, I, we kind of got a gist of what all went on in the first fight, but we seen the goat come back this last fight. So just being around her, just being around greatness, you just kind of get where you want to be in the sport and what it takes. And she's just a walking testimony of what that, what that is. And, uh, so humble, so humble. Uh, she was great to be around. I want to say one of the last times we, we talked, uh, one of the things you had mentioned to me was 205. Is that still in the cards? It is, man. And, uh, you know, and I don't really get the chance to like talk about things that like I don't put out there because of, you know, you don't want people to know some things, don't want people to. So like, you know, in October of last year, uh, I was training, I was lifting and, uh, my back popped and I was like, Oh God, you know, this, and I was in the mindset of cutting the 205 walking around 260. I'd already, you know, and usually I'm walking around 272 ish. And then once fight camp starts, I'll walk at 264, 263 every single day, not worrying about it. Well, I, I, I just uh, got on that mindset. I was like, all right, two, 205. Here we come. Like that. I've, I've got my mind around it. Let's do it. 
tweak my back. So that put me out for like, you know, I was barely doing anything. And uh, that put me at about, you know, about 275, 278. And uh, I got the call in December about the ultimate fighter. And I was like, well, dang, like I, I kind of want to make this cut. But at the same time, uh, and actually, honestly, I didn't even want to do it. I, th- I At first I was like, All right, let me think about it. I don't want to leave my daughter for five weeks. But then it was like, okay, well, I want to cut to a five. But at the same time, it's like, how many chances are you going to get with this? Like, yeah. you know, how many chances are you going to get to, to be on this show, uh, such a prestigious show and get to showcase what you can do in front of the world and show people like who you are as a person. So, uh, two five was definitely like something that I wanted to do, but it's like, I took a couple months off cause I was hurt. And then I came back and I was like, okay, it looks like we're doing heavyweight we're doing the season. So, uh, and I went through a little spell, man, the work, my biggest downfall is getting comfortable. I get so comfortable sometimes and forget why I am who I am. You know, uh, when I was growing up, you know, life wasn't easy, but my, the best part of my day was wrestling practice. And for some people, that's the worst part of their day. Cause it's so hard. Yeah. And, uh, for me, that was, that was the best part of my day. I was like, yeah, you know, like, uh, I could go to wrestling practice and, uh, that's really made me like into the athlete that I was. And, and I guess as an adult, I've put myself in positions to where I have things that I've never had, you know? Uh, and sometimes I get comfortable and I could, I could tell when, when things start to I get comfortable. Okay. Well, you know, I can do this. I can do that. And I, a lot of times I always need to get brought back and remember what brought me to, to where I am anyways. In the beginning of my career, I was sleeping on people's couches. Like I wasn't, and have a place. I didn't have my first car until I was 24 years old. I sacrificed that just to be able to fight and do this full time because that's the best part of my day. Once I had a kid, I kind of, I was like, okay, probably need to get a job. Probably need to really, <laughs> really <laughs> do, the, do the grown up thing. And uh, I think just uh, through that process, uh, I got real comfortable because I've had things that I've never had, like a vehicle, uh, place to sleep, uh, a refrigerator with my own food in it. Like, that's awesome. And, uh, Sometimes I got to bring myself back and just remind myself, like, man, like the adversity has really made you grow. Like, don't forget that. Just because you get comfortable, don't forget that. So right now the, the game plan is to fight in October. Uh, I want to be about 245-ish, which is going to be a lot lighter than people's usually seen me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not 245, hold me accountable. Call me fat on Facebook. Call me fat on Twitter. Let me know. Remind me what I came out and said. And uh, nah, and then from there, man, just uh, see what see – what, gets brought to, to the table. I think I can compete at heavyweight at 245, 240-ish. Like, I think I, I can still compete at heavyweight. But if I get that call and they say, hey, man, we want you at uh, 205 in such such weeks, I think I can make the cut. I, I just uh, I think if, if my mind's in the right place, I can do anything I want. So uh, right now that's the goal, just to see what's going to bring me the most success while also being in range to get to 205 if I need to. So. You know, hearing you talk there, it made me think of talking to Lint Vassell, the Bellator heavyweight, who at one time yeah. was a 205 or moved up the heavyweight. And he, remember, he told me, he said, he goes, when I moved the heavyweight, he goes, my thought process is I had to be big. I had to be big. And he goes, I got to like 250 pounds. And I just realized, like, this isn't the sweet spot for me. And it kind of made me think when you were talking about, you know, your next fight, trying to get to you know, that 245-ish range, Do you is there part of the mindset of thinking, I might get. I might find myself at two forty five and realize that maybe this is a sweet spot. That this is where I can perform the best if I'm if I'm staying in the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, possibly. Uh, I think the, the the main thing for me is uh, just making sure I make the right decisions. You know what I'm saying? Like, not really like a sweet spot, but I think that. Uh, and I think that now that I've kind of showcased like my stand up, you know, I finally got comfortable because I had to. I couldn't wrestle. So I had to stand up. And now that I have that confidence and stuff and I know that how how far my hands have come, I think people have realized they've always known that I was a fast wrestler. They knew that I was quick for my size, but no one knew kind of how fast my strikes was. And I think that now that I've kind of put that together and I have both in my arsenal, I think that 245, 240-ish, 245-ish, I don't think I'm going to be this big, strong heavyweight, mm-hmm. but I think that my speed is going to kill people. I think that, 
I think that when I touch people or even getting out of the way of punches, I see punches really well. I think that's going to be a, a good asset for myself uh, just in my arsenal. Uh, but that, that we'll see when I get there, man. The first goal is to get there. <laughs> so uh, it's easy to talk about it. Uh, those uh, salads and uh, the chicken, man, and that's – Every single day, that's what gets you. So I just gotta hold myself accountable and uh, and do it. I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta make it happen. So uh, it sounds nice. It sounds real nice. But <laughs> let's, let's get there. Let's let's get there. I've I've I've, I've sold a lot of wolf tickets on uh, <laughs> these interviews. I I get motivated. I, I say I'm gonna do something, and then all of a sudden, boom, injury. I say I'm gonna do something, boom, injury. So that's the one thing uh, that's got me to heavyweight. Anyways, I was I was only walking around like. 240 cutting to 205 and living the dream and then all of a sudden injury boom 280 and i'm like oh my god so we'll see uh what life has to uh, to offer for me and uh, right now the goal in my mind my mindset is the next fight at hand you know i, I got tony horn in uh october uh that's really what i'm thinking about i'm not really thinking about you know not gonna get uh heartbroken by not getting into the ufc but uh yeah just realize that that's where I'm end up. It's not my, it's not the destination right now, but I know that that's the destination later on for sure. So I was looking up your opponent on topology. And the thing that I started laughing about is his nickname. Have you, have you noticed what his nickname is? I know nothing about him. Father time. Which I always say, I always say, you know, look, father time catches to all of us, no matter what we do. And I just saw that nickname. I just started laughing. The other thing that stuck out to me was he's got a fight booked like in two weeks. And then he's got the fight against you at the end of October, which made me think like, is that a concern that you're facing somebody that's got a fight booked prior to that? You know, I mean, who knows what could happen? Maybe he doesn't make it to your to your fight. This is the first time I heard that. I didn't yeah. know he had a fight book. Yeah. It's, if you go on his topology page, man, you, you see it for yourself. Man, uh, I did not know that. Uh, a similar thing happened to me last year. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's from Guam. Kelvin uh, Fatal or Fatal or whatever his name is. You know, he had a fight booked with me. And then he decided that he wanted to uh, be a part of uh, Ray Keem Cleveland's highlight reel and uh, got kicked in the head and went viral with it and got pulled from my fight because he got a 60-day suspension. So, uh, oh, I mean, if he fights and he gets his butt kicked, I mean, as as long as he uh, does doesn't get sixty days, we're good. But no, nah, that 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 stuff makes me a little irritated. It's two months out too. I mean, so we'll see. Yeah, he, no, uh, he's fighting I'll, Will Marino at Rocket Combat Sports Ten on August the twenty seventh. Who's Will? That's his opponent. I don't know who Will he's uh he's two and one. Um, let's see here. He uh, uh, Will is coming off a win back in May, um, but prior to that, he had lost a grappling matchup in 2019, and then uh, his uh previous MMA fight was back in 2018. Well, Will, if you hurt my opponent, I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you hurt if you hurt Tony, then you're signing up for it. I'm at the point, man. I, I just need to fight. You know, yeah. be, let's be realistic. Uh, you know, the five day notice fight against Auntie. Uh, I think that I showed. I think I showed that I was. I, I was in there. I just gassed. I mean, I just really just wasn't prepared to really fight a three round fight, a three round battle with a great athlete like him. You know, he made it to the PFL finals, yeah. and uh, I think uh, I took that fight to sh- kind of just show me where I was as far as within the world and i think i didn't do bad uh my whole intention was winning the fight uh, i just didn't understand the the situation until after the fight you know until i seen him win and then win and then get in the finals and i was like okay maybe 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 i don't suck you know like because you lose and you get beat up and yeah. you're just telling yourself like oh my god i suck and uh it wasn't until i seen him put on that show against uh bruno capeloza who's a monster that i told myself like i wonder what an end shape you know, if I hold fight camp, I wonder what I do. And, and that's what was really kicking my butt after that. And, uh, you know, and then against Jordan, I lost. And that was, you know, 
that was a hard pill to swallow. But it's like, really, I'm on a two fight losing streak right now. So honestly, I'm just trying to get in there and fight. Uh, I don't really know anything about Tony. I don't. I don't know anything about him. I just know that he's from Virginia. I know that someone said he was ranked number two, and I know that he's been around the game for a while. So uh, he apparently he wanted the fight. Uh, he had spoke to people said he was excited about it. So I said, you know, it's hard to find matchups. Anyways, I got people backing out. Let's rot. If he wants it, give it to him. Like uh, uh, it's better to have an opponent than not one. And then after this fight, get in there. You know, I've been out a couple months due to the show. That's it's going there, and, and nothing's guaranteed. You know, I didn't. It it's not a guaranteed win, but it's like let's get in there. Let's let's put on a show. Let's showcase your hands, your wrestling, and then on to the next one. So my focus is strictly on Tony, but I know that as soon as uh, it's a wrap, like sign me up for a next one, and then sign me up for a next one. This is therapeutic for me, man. Uh, you know, I I literally do this because. I have to. Yeah, like some people, some people drink, some people do drugs. I fight. That's what I do. I fight. This is this is how I deal with the the craziness of the world. And uh, I just need to constantly go. So I'm just trying to sign a contract as much as possible. Here you you talk about that short notice fight you took there, and, and you mentioned about you know, hey, I need to get back in there. I need to start racking up these wins. And I know that this sport, it's it, it's tough because when opportunity knocks, you got to answer at the door. You know, if you know whether it's the UFC calls and hey, can can you be here on 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 Saturday, have this fight, or maybe it's a PFL or belt or comes with a, with a great contract offer. But are you? Do you think you're at this point in your career where it's like, okay, I gotta be smart about making sure I'm just not taking fights to take fights because it's an opportunity, as opposed to getting a full six, eight week camp and to prepare for that fight. Well, money talks. <laughs> no, no, look, look, it's, it's it, like, but I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's to me, it's where it's, it's that tough part of the fighter business where, where it's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm there to, you know, uh, for example, uh, Bellator, uh, messaged me one time and, uh, asked me to fight Tower of Fortune. And two weeks notice, I was all for it until it landed on the uh, the day of the state wrestling tournament of the boys I coach. Okay. And I was like, uh, uh. and I was like, you know what? Uh, I talked to him about it. I, I, they were all for it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Not because I don't want the fight. Not because the, it's going to be the most money I ever made in my life at one time, but because I'm going to show them that how invested I am in them. And, uh, I think the life lesson that I showed them earned some type of trust with us. And it's like, so I guess it just depends on the situation. It depends on what, what, you know, uh, so, the short notice fights, if UFC calls, I'm taking it yeah. for sure. Uh, Bellator PFL, we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to crap on them, but at the end of the day, I want to be in the UFC. That's the, my story doesn't go down uh, the way it's supposed to if I'm fighting Bellator. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it sounds like I, craps on a lot of success that people's had, but for me and for where I'm from, and me being one of one in my area, I'm, I'm the only pro fighter that's doing this. You know, I want to show people like, nah, I not only did I do good, you know, I fought on ESPN. Kudos to me. It's not where I want to be. Uh, I, I don't want to just be ESPN. I want to be in the UFC winning fights. Like, that's what people heard on the show me say this. In, sto- in order for my story to really have that ending, I gotta find the UFC. I gotta be successful in the UFC. I gotta be remembered in the UFC. I gotta, I, I got to be there. People got to remember me, and and the reason being is like because in my mind, and I know this isn't true because people tell me all the time like, Chandler, you could quit today. Like everyone in this town's proud of you. Like you've accomplished so much, and I'm like, y'all are happy. I'm not. Like <laughs> I'm not happy yet. Like I have to. I have to. I have to show them like 
whenever you get a go, you got to crush another one. And then you got to crush another one. And then you got to just keep going. I'm, I'm still chasing a, a state title. I never won. It's like mm-hmm. literally like I've accomplished way more than a state championship, but I've, I may have accomplished more, but I've not filled that void. So, uh, I got to get to the UFC. Uh, and I think Dana likes me. I think he, he remembers me whether he remembers my name or not. I actually know he remembers me because at Amanda's fight, I was sitting in front row at the weigh-ins. He's walking across the stage while they were showing the promo and I pointed at him and he pointed back and shook his head. I just put up a fist and, uh, you just could tell like he, he knew who I was. And, uh, whether he knows my name, probably not, but he's going <laughs> to remember the kick and he's going to, he's going to remember how tough I am. And, uh, I think when I get it all dialed in and, uh, uh I can start to do this full time for a living, like, I think I'll be a problem for anybody. Uh, no, we look forward to seeing, uh, when that next fight, the next fight come up here in October or what is to come with you Chandler. Of course, always appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, let everyone know they can fight on social media. Anything else we'll mention, man. Uh, I just want to, uh, thank my coaches and stuff. You know, they've, uh, even in my, in my most stubborn times, uh, they've put up with me and, uh, I've, they've seen the maturity, uh, within my life and they've seen that, you know, how much different I approach this game and, uh, they've jumped right on board. When I hit that sixth gear, they got on the sixth gear with me and, uh, they, they literally work with me every day. They, communicate with me every day and uh we're not the biggest gym in the world but we got people in there that's willing to work every day and that's that's all i can ask for and since i've got back from uh uh the ultimate fighter we've doubled almost tripled in size so we're getting people uh one day wise county is going to be known for coal mining and ufc fighters and uh that's i just want to thank my coaches and stuff and you can find me at chandler cole mma on uh all platforms and yeah, man. And thank you, dude. We need to talk more. <laughs> this is, I feel like it's been a while. It has. I feel like I'm talking to an ex. <laughs> <laughs> I, like it, uh, <laughs> I, I see you on Facebook. I see you there, boy. I see you there. Oh, real quick. Yeah. Real quick. I want to thank Iridium. Iridium Sports Aiden. They've been great. Jason's amazing. It's amazing. Jacob's amazing. All the guys, uh, Roman, uh, Jeremy, all the amazing. I definitely don't want to leave that out. Uh, so uh, I appreciate you, and I appreciate them, and I'm not saying that. <laughs> and that was my conversation with Chandler Cole. Appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me. Always love talking to Chandler. Just a dope conversation there, and uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, you know he weighs 245 pounds for his next matchup, and uh, kind of uh, an interesting twist there on that story is the fact of uh, he had no idea that his opponent has a fight booked here later on this month, literally uh, two weeks from now. So I appreciate Chandler coming on this episode of the podcast. Of course, also a uh, huge thanks to Dustin Jacoby for coming on this edition of the show. Of course, uh, appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast of course bring you two podcasts a week as of course you can uh check out the this is a sunday episode which is the interview edition of the show and then of course uh, the wednesday episode uh is myself and daniel galvon uh of course i'll be uh not sure who's gonna be on next sunday's episode at this time gotta gotta uh, basically work on some of those interviews as uh it is uh i'm actually on the road this upcoming weekend i'll be in nashville on um, I'll be there on Friday and Saturday. Come back to Tampa on Sunday. Of course, uh, Buccaneers playing the Titans there. Uh, Nashville, a very fun city. Uh, always, uh, you know, I mean, I'll make my way down the Broadway. You know, <laughs> I'll make my way down the Broadway and uh, taking the festivities of, of Broadway. And, uh, you know, that's uh, love, love being on the road and get the travels country and you know seeing some things and uh you know nashville is is definitely a uh it, it's a fun party city no no question about it it's you know, kind of the weird thing is i'm actually on the road four of the next five weekends for work uh the the one weekend i'm not on the road for for work is labor day weekend and actually me and my wife are, are, are taking our, our nieces and nephews out of town that weekend so uh, I, i'm not i'm not home for next uh basically the next month it's kind of crazy as uh see uh this week i'll be in nashville the following week i'll be in indianapolis then it's labor day weekend 
And then uh, then I got, uh, I'll be in Dallas for week one of the NFL season. Then week two will be in New Orleans, which happens to be my birthday. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that should be fun. I, I would say New Orleans is one of my, my favorite road stops to go on and it's because of the food man the food is so good uh what the rest we we go to one of two places in new orleans we either go to drago's or go to royal house and the reason we go to either one of those is a charboard oysters and i will tell you i grew up i, I would see my parents eating raw oysters and i just i wanted nothing to do with it and then i don't know man it was probably at this point probably 10 years ago uh, I'm on, we're in New Orleans and I'm having dinner with our, our play by play host, our play by play announcer, Gene Deckeroff. And we're, uh, and Gene's like, oh, you got, you, you got to try the charboard oysters, Jason's, you got to try them. They're unbelievable. And, uh, so I was like, all right, Gene, you, you know, you tell me I got to try them. I'll try them. And these things come out and oh my God, they were so good. And so every time I go to New Orleans, I got to get charboard oysters. I've got to get them. And, uh, man, they're so good. If you're in New Orleans, I'm telling you, you got to try it. I mean, New Orleans is great food all around New Orleans, you know, great food. Of course, I mean, you got to do the Bourbon Street experience. You ever been to New Orleans, you got to do the Bourbon Street experience once, but, uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks of, uh, you know, traveling and, NFL season here is here, and of course, it's always MMA season here at the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, appreciate you taking time out of your day, download, listen to this episode of the podcast, and I'll be back on Wednesday as myself and Daniel Galvan will get you ready for UFC 278.